0: Welcome to The Third Eye, this is your host, Elliot Reynolds, and you're listening to Radio Blue Mountains on 89.1 FM. Tonight, Halloween, with our special guest, Gillian Taylor-Reynolds.
1: Good evening. Halloween brings up all kinds of ghoulish thoughts within our mind. The conjuring of spirits, the gathering of ghosts, witches casting spells and cackling with delight. Zombies hiding in the shadows, ready to devour us like a lolly. And of course, those wickedly wonderful horror films where Michael stands outside the window, just waiting for someone to open the door. It's a time to celebrate our dead, dress up in dread, and head off into the night where we'll trick-or-treat once more.
0: Hello, welcome, Jilly. Hi. How are you? I'm
1: good, how are you? Good. 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 It's a bit of a rush.
0: (laughs) I would like to say thanks to Kev and Dins for a wonderful program. Yeah, that was cool. And you were in this afternoon for a program, Jill.
1: I was. I was in for uh, um, for the Women on the Wireless program. And uh, we talked a little bit about Halloween, played a few tracks that both uh, Kelly and I like.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, I... I caught the show, I loved it.
1: Yeah, yeah, we played some tracks, uh, sung and performed by women, uh, but for this time of the year. And uh, we had a little chat about music and how COVID's affected musicians and what have you. But uh, yeah, so it's a quick trip home and did a few things and now we're back.
0: Excellent. So we're going to play a, a track, The Voodoo Walk. Okay, tell us about it.
2: Yeah,
1: um, it came out in the 60s, uh, probably not very well known, but I loved it as a kid. Uh, And (laughs) um, I I thought her voice was, well, their voices were pretty cool. So it was, um, they were called The Panics, and it was just a one-off with Cindy and Mindy. And it's called The Voodoo Walk, and it goes like this.
3: The night was dark. The moon was high. I was walking along, holding hands with my guy, when all of a sudden his breath became quick. His eyes began flashing. These words fell from his lips. <sighs> The mummy does it with a thud When the vampire does it he drinks your blood Do a little walk Give a funny quiver Walk on back And give a little shiver Fly
2: back in And then begin to stop Just like a shadow that
3: the dance of the day.
2: The dance of the dead to the voodoo walk. The dance of the dead to the voodoo walk. The dance of the dead to the voodoo walk. The dance of the
0: dead to the voodoo walk. The dance of the dead to the voodoo walk. The dance of the dead to the voodoo walk. All righty. That was the voodoo walk. Jilly. Can you tell us a bit about your earliest memories of Halloween, please?
1: Um, Sure. Uh, Well, as you know, um, being with me so long, (laughs) I was born in England, but I was uh, raised in Canada. And, of course, uh, and then later years, the States. And, of course, Canada and the States and Ireland and England and all those places celebrate this time of year pretty heavily. Um, But my earliest memory... Was as a as a child, like as a little little girl, I'd say probably four or five, um, preschool, kindy. You know, um, <laughs> my mum made my first costume, and it was made out of um, it was made out of um, curtains, <laughs> an old pair of curtains, and she made me a gypsy costume, and used an old scarf of hers that she put around my head and I thought it was very innovative especially now looking at photos Uh, she sewed big curtain rings onto the scarf so it looked like I had big earrings and popped me in makeup and um, I remember how excited I was like picking our first pumpkin carving it with my dad my dad taking me out um, on his shoulders pretty much (laughs) into the night um, and me begging my mom not to put a coat on me it was freezing uh, practically snowing, and just begging her not to cover up my costume because I was so proud of it. It was a black velvet skirt, and I, I thought I looked amazing. And um, yeah, so and and just going out into the night, you know, as a kid, that's really exciting. Of course, here when kids trick or treat, it's it's still light outside because we're uh, in spring. But but there, it was dark and cold and kind of mysterious and going around, you know, having my dad kind of place me at the end of the driveway and pushing me up there so that I'd go and knock on the door and say, you know, can I have some candy, please? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was really fun. Making toffee apples with my mom. You know, we, we used to buy caramels and um, really soft ones and, uh, you know, dip the apples and then put popsicle sticks and hand them out to the kids. It wasn't just about candy and, and, or lollies, as you call it here. It was about um, treats. Definite treats, cookies and biscuits and things like that. So homemade things.
0: So you found the same sort of experience in England and Canada, or different?
1: No, uh, of course I didn't. I didn't move back to uh, to England until later. But in in the UK, they c- they celebrate more with festivals. It, it's more of a festive thing. Uh, It's uh, it's It's um, you know, which is is spelled S A M H A I N. So people get it confused, but it is actually pronounced Sawin. And um, they have big festivals with bonfires, and you know, people wear um, animal masks, and um, and you know, give away uh, like there's cakes and there's and there's food and. It, it's a proper festival with music and people dancing and, um, yeah. So, trick-or-treating, I don't remember. It, it could be in the UK now. I, I wouldn't know. I haven't lived there for a long time. But, um, but I, don't, I don't remember trick-or-treating in, in, in the UK, now. I just remember. And, and, you know, in Canada, like, we used to do art projects. You know, you, you'd have a whole month dedicated to halloween and thanksgiving and whether you made paper turkeys or um paper mache pumpkins and and things like that and you'd have plays and because those two festivals are very close you know those those two celebrations are very close together so halloween is um is as big as christmas it was growing up and, and even more exciting for me. I, I liked all that stuff and watching all the reruns of Twilight Zone and, and The Addams Family. Well, The Addams Family was actually playing because that's how old I am. But um <laughs> uh, So, yeah, so all those wonderful um, kind of spooky TV shows, you know, um, Alfred Hitchcock Presents and what have you. So cool stuff, you know. I think I've got an Alfred Hitchcock Presents on my playlist this evening.
0: So like we're doing here, it was sort of traditionally a bit more of a build-up over a couple of days or a week rather than everything on that night, so to speak.
1: Yes, people would... I mean, like Christmas, you know, people... uh, I mean, there's one house in particular in Lura that that we love to take our daughter to each year because he must spend three months putting all that up or maybe he never takes it down, but it's similar. Like, people spend a lot of time... Prepping their houses. I remember walking into one house and they'd done it. I, I was probably about ten in Ontario, uh, Canada, and um, I think that was the first time I'd actually seen somebody decorate their home as a haunted house. So you were actually invited into their large foyer, and the whole thing was just obviously covered in in black curtains um, because it was very dark, and we had to walk in and actually put our hand into a bowl of smoke to get our lollies, and there was a, a woman all dressed up, and, and there was lurch in the doorway. But as you walked up the driveway, you would hear Vincent Price playing. They'd gone to big trouble, and I mean, as I said, I was about 10, so it was a long time ago, and, and people really went all out. It was, like, um, it was like Disneyland in your neighbourhood, really, like going to the Haunted Mansion in Disneyland, if anyone's been there, uh, pretty amazing. So people went to a lot of effort. You know. And, 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 and you kind of had to because, you know, um, kids would teepee your house if you didn't have candy
0: <laughs> or lollies. Teepee your house?
1: Yeah, yeah, toilet paper. Mm. Okay. <laughs> I mean, they probably wouldn't do that now because of COVID and toilet paper being so hard to find sometimes. But um, they would throw rolls of toilet paper and cover your house or all your trees outside. Um, you know, if if it was dark there and you weren't home and you didn't have candy, like wow. for the for the kids. So uh, people would like, you know, do things like pour out your pot plant or, or something, you know. But um, teeping was quite awful because, as I said, it was very cold, often damp, sometimes snowing. Oh, yeah. And to get all of that toilet paper out of your trees... Pepe mache all over the house. Yeah, not fun.
0: So. You mentioned Vincent Price before.
1: Hmm. <laughs> love Vincent Price. Um, Best voice.
0: This, uh, one of your selections was a piece called Don't...
1: Yeah, I couldn't decide. There's so many. He did so many amazing stories, but I had to pick a shorter one, I think, because we only have two hours, you know. Um, But, yeah, don't. Um, As I said, I've got lots of his recordings, but this was one that I thought would be kind of cool to
0: play. We'll share that now. Okay.
4: Ever brag about what you'd do if you saw a ghost, or one will surely come. Don't slam the door because you might pinch some poor soul in it. Don't leave sharp knives lying around either, or some wandering spirit or ghost might get cut with them. Don't go looking over the graveyard wall if you do. ...you will see ghosts. Don't laugh at ghosts. They are no joke. In Germany, they say... ...don't bring an elder branch into the house... ...because ghosts will come in with it. If ever you come upon an old hat... ...or a piece of clothing lying on the ground... ...with a stick across it... ...don't pick it up. The stick is a sign that it belongs to a ghost. Don't touch it. Don't yawn without covering your mouth with your hand. Ghosts are attracted by yawning. Some people say they will peer in and count your teeth or your fillings. But a very common belief in the world is that your soul can slip out when you yawn and some ghost can slip in. If this happens, you will sicken and die. Don't ever speak to a ghost unless you really want it to answer, because ghosts have to answer as soon as spoken to.
0: Was Vincent Price with "Don't"? Chili, you've got something else for us. You mentioned somebody you mentioned before. Another person in the movies.
1: Oh yes, Alfred Hitchcock. Um, I always loved the music. I mean, like like all good, uh, like all good uh, horror films and 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 TV series. I think some of the best ever have been from, you know, uh, horror themes and and also the the guitar sounds and things that they used to get on say the Munsters theme or you know um <laughs> those kind of things a lot of Tarantino stuff is very uh that kind of surfy psychobilly guitar sound and um but Alfred Hitchcock it, it was the way he presented and just his um you know his image uh <laughs> I I just loved it so this is one of my favorite pieces of music and I just like the way he um, introduces it.
0: Here's the Alfred Hitchcock television theme. Thus far, this album has provided musical accompaniment
5: to make your passing pleasant. Our next number is designed to drown out the sound of shovels, music to be buried by. Of course, Your assassin may have made burial unnecessary. So, if you are completely encased in cement and are teetering on the edge of a pier, please try not to pay attention to this next number. It is not meant for you. As for the others, if you spend your evenings watching murder instead of doing it yourself, you may recognize this.
0: That was Alfred Hitchcock. It was. All righty, we're back with our special guest Gillian Taylor Reynolds. Hi. All right, so we're about to head into part of our Halloween special. Is on the pumpkin.
1: The pumpkin.
0: Do you want to tell us about the pumpkin, please, Jill?
1: Well, um, it's. I mean, of course, um, Samhain, Halloween, now as it's known. Um, Dates back to the Celtic times, and um, it was uh, uh, said that the pumpkin was actually it wasn't a pumpkin in the c- the Celts didn't I don't think really had the pumpkins that we do now, um, but they they would use turnips, beets, potatoes. They would have had a lot of potatoes, um, and and apples to carve little faces, and um, which they would leave outside their dwellings uh, to frighten away bad spirits or ghosts as they believed that on, um, Hall- on Hallow's Eve which is the night before Halloween and of course the 31st uh, was a time when ghosts and those of the other world could easily make their way back to our earth and um, and I mean it, it, it was a celebration but it was also a... Um, a frightening time, you know, because long winters would be coming, they wouldn't have food, um, at, at abundant food uh, or crops. Um, many people would pass away when it was cold. Um, they were worried, of course, about not having firewood and um, enough clothing to keep them warm. Um, and so... It would have been a haunting time anyway, you know, so all those superstitions would be running through people's minds, and, and um, so they would carve these little faces in hope that uh, ghosts or, or those who had passed who may have a bit of a grudge wouldn't necessarily enter their dwelling or come back to, um, to cause them any, any trouble. And um, they would also leave food outside, um, you know, to, like we do basically with even Santa Claus, you know, we leave a treat uh, to um, show that we're, we don't mind them visiting, but maybe not staying, you know, so that's what the, um, that's what the pumpkin eventually from, you and know. you love
0: carving a, carving a pumpkin, don't you? I love carving with pumpkin. little Jess.
1: I do. She's not so little anymore, but it, it, it was beautiful. You know, um, I mean, I even carved pumpkins for our, for our wedding, which was on Halloween. So, um, you know, I, I was so excited when I when I actually found a proper pumpkin here because carving those Japanese ones and are very difficult.
0: <laughs> so, what would you recommend for people who want going to pump? carve a pumpkin with their littlies?
1: Certainly. Um, the best way to, to carve a pumpkin is start with the lid.
0: But what kind of pumpkin?
1: Uh, if you can get the soft, big orange ones, like the, um, the ones that are very light, uh, they don't have... Uh, I guess they're the kind that they grow in the States, but they've started growing here now. Um, so you can get them at, you know, any supermarket or preferably at one of your local um, you know, fruiterers, fruit and veggie shops, um, because they have them now too, so I try and shop local. But okay. um, so, so the best way to carve a pumpkin always is start with the lid. And when you carve it, use a very sharp knife and go on an angle in. The reason being, if you go straight down when you're cutting a lid, the lid will usually fall through as it expands. So if you go on an angle, You've got more of a chance of your lid staying and fitting in once your candle starts to burn inside and it starts to um, shrink. So carve your lid and then pull out all the guts of it, which is so much fun. I like pulling the guts out, you know, getting all messy. Um, You can also... um, Pumpkin seeds are amazing to um, fry in the pan in a bit of oil and salt. They're yummy. Um, So try and wash them and, and utilise them. And then, as I said, just um, you start. You, once it's empty, you then carve your face. Um, always best to put a, a tiny saucer in the bottom with a candle on it so that if the wax, it doesn't burn through your pumpkin. And um, just you can find faces online, ideas. Um, and, yeah, and, and again, just have fun with it. Create whatever makes you happy, like our... Or makes you frightened, or however you want to go.
0: So. Now, the origin of the pumpkin, could you tell us a bit about that? And maybe is there a, a story or a myth that comes with that? Um, you, you
1: mean the name, uh, Jack-o'-lantern? Yeah. Right, yeah. OK. Do you want to share that with the listeners? Uh, of course, the story of the pumpkin comes from carving turnips and, mm-hmm. and things like that that the Celts did. But um, with uh, the legend of... Well, actually... The legend of uh, the jack-o'-lantern, sorry, the jack-o'-lantern comes from an Irish legend called The Legend of Stingy Jack. So um, I'm going to try and read that. I brought the wrong glasses, but I'll give it my best go. And uh, this is how it goes. Stingy Jack was a miserable old drunk who loved playing tricks on anyone and everyone. One dark night... Jack ran into the devil himself in a local public house. Jack tricked the devil by offering his soul in exchange for one last drink. The devil quickly turned himself into a sixpence to pay the bartender, but Jack immediately snatched the coin and deposited it into his pocket next to a silver cross that he was carrying. Thus the devil could not change himself back, and Jack refused to allow the devil to go free until the devil had promised not to claim Jack's soul for ten years. The devil agreed, and ten years later Jack again came across the devil while out walking on a country road. The devil tried collecting what he was due, but Jack, thinking quickly, said, I'll go, but before I do, will you get me an apple from that tree? The devil, thinking he had nothing to lose, jumped up into the tree to retrieve an apple. As soon as he did, Jack placed crosses all around the trunk of the tree, thus trapping the devil once again. This time, Jack made the devil promise that he would not take his soul when he finally died. Seeing no way around the predicament, the devil grudgingly agreed. When Stingy Jack eventually passed away, several years later, he went to the gates of heaven but was refused entrance because of his life of drinking and because he had not been so and because he had been so tight-fisted and deceitful so jack then went down to hell to see the devil and find out whether it was possible to gain entrance into the depths of hell but the devil kept the promise that he'd made to jack er, that he'd made to jack earlier and would not let him enter But where can I go, asked Jack. Back to where you came from, replied the devil. The way back is windy and it's very dark. Stingy Jack pleaded with the devil to at least provide him with a light to help him find his way. The devil, as a final gesture, tossed Jack an ember straight from the fires of hell. Jack placed the ember into a hollowed out turnip, one of Jack's favorite foods which he always carried around with him whenever he could steal one. From that day forward, Stingy Jack has been doomed to roam this earth without, without a resting place and with only a dimly lit turnip to light his way. They say his ghost still roams to this day, and soon the Irish folk began referring to him as Jack of the Lantern, which through time was abbreviated to Jack-o'-lantern.
0: Thank you, Julie <laughs> Tales from the Crypt by Danny Elfman. Can you tell us about this one, please?
1: Oh, I love Tales from the Crypt. Um, I, I've got a lot of the series and um, that i bought over with me from uh, the states, and and uh, so, but of course, um, they didn't play here until now that I've got a DVD player that plays all regions, and um, I was just so taken with it. Um, they're just brilliant they're similar to twilight zone of course um but but more of my era you know my youth so and i i I really liked the music that went with it like i like all the theme songs so i chose this one
0: That was "Tales from the Crypt" by Danny Elfman. Excellent, Jilly.
1: Cool. Yeah, he writes a, a lot of um, a lot of the theme songs. He's uh, he's very good at it. So uh, yeah, and as I said, um, I like a lot of the guitar ones too. But I like the big band ones. You know, those big drums always always are a bit um, bit haunting. So <laughs> you can conjure up things in your mind, little ghouls and goblins running around.
0: Another guitar band that you sort of like that sort of does something um, a little bit Halloweenish is um, Patty Smith.
1: Um, I don't know about so much of a guitar band, but uh, I, I adore her. I adore her music. Um, her and Lenny, and and she had some uh, she has some great great tunes that are very haunting. But um, Ghost Dance is probably one of my favorites. Um, I j- I just love the way she sings it. Uh, as I said, it's 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 a haunting piece. Marianne Faithful also did a version, so it was a bit hard to uh, choose because um. But those two women are probably you know um, two of my favorites. So I chose Patty's because this afternoon we played Marianne's. So we played another song by Marianne, which is song this afternoon. So I'm playing Ghost Dance by Patty Smith.
0: Here it is. Here we go. Thank Elliot and Jill. I love that
1: song. So beautiful.
0: And The Third Eye on Radio Blue Mountains, 89.1. And it is 11 past nine. Jilly, All Saints Day.
1: Um, well, it's, it's kind of strange because there's All Saints Day and there's All Souls Day. And um, All Saints Day was originally held on May, uh, which, of course, is around the Beltane time in the northern hemisphere but then in um in 1000 AD the church decided to change it uh to the same time as Samhain uh so it it actually is celebrated anywhere between the first to the uh second of November uh November but um and and as I said there's kind of there's All Saints Day, but also All Souls Day. And um, both were festivals, but of course both were um, brought in by the church. Um, like like so many church festivals, they kind of coincide with pagan Celtic um, festivities. And, um, and so this time of year for All Saints or All Souls Day is used to... Um, to remember your dead, uh, to remember the, your ancestors who have passed on. It's also to pray for their souls, who uh, to make sure those that may not have done so well in life or whatever do eventually get to heaven and are accepted by God. So um, so they have big requiems and, and what have you, and, and uh, it's a big church, big church time. But um, I didn't realize that also they used to make all souls cakes, <laughs> which of course comes back to kind of a trick-or-treating time. And, um, and, and the poor and, um, and the homeless used to beg to families, and, and families would give them... Uh, all Souls' cakes, which were kind of just like a, a kind of plain pastry, from what I can gather, and um, as long as you promised to pray for their, their deceased relatives, so it was an exchange that the um that the poor, or the homeless would would it indeed um exchange prayer for that person who gave them the cakes, relatives who've passed on. So it was it was quite interesting that. Um, I guess like all festivals and what have you, um, there's always food, um, you know. So, uh, and you know, but what a way to do it—to have to give something for something in return, you know. Um, I just give them the cake. <laughs> like buying a
0: stairway to heaven. So yeah,
1: to speak. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you know, interesting. So, um, but but it is usually celebrated on November second, but. Um, all Souls was also celebrated on November 1st, so there's a bit of a... I read some different things on, on the history of this, but as I said, um, it, it was introduced, like, 1000 AD. Mm-hmm. So, mm.
0: To the new date? Mm.
1: Mm. Yes. To the new date.
0: Wow. Um, no, thanks for clarifying that, and that's a lot before America was... Uh, invaded by the uh, English, isn't it? So uh, it's certainly <laughs> Halloween for anybody that ever turns around and says it's an American thing. Yeah, is they haven't done their homework. Would no. you agree? I,
1: you definitely would agree with that. Haven't done their homework, and and you know, I um, I think it's kind of sad that that um, we have so many um, people of Irish European. Um, British descent and, and it's kind of sad that we don't have a celebration of those who have passed or um, don't pay them respect, you know, like it's our roots, mm. it's, um, you know, it's, it's, um, so yeah, so I mean, it did become very Americanized of course, um, America reaps eight billion dollars from Halloween a year. So it's huge, mm. and, of course, they've kind of hallmarked it, you know, and, um, but they had a lot of Irish and British descendants in the States as well, and they probably brought it with them. And, of course, you know, Australia is 168 years younger, so, mm. you know, from, from the settlement, it's much more ancient as far as Aboriginals go, but, you know, um, as far as settling by people from overseas. Mm. Um, so maybe it kind of got lost along the way I don't really know but you know we we embrace blues and roots music and country music and American cars and you know Uh. so even if it even if people do think it's American I think it's a nice time of year Um, of course we celebrate it at kind of the wrong time of year because um, we should really be celebrating Beltane if you're a good pagan, you know, mm-hmm. um, because that's our that's May festival and that's spring equinox and all of those things. But I celebrate both because I I've grown up with both. I mean, I've been here a long time, so um, I you know I I celebrate both. You know. So how
0: long have you been celebrating Halloween in Australia?
1: I never. I always wanted to celebrate Halloween, so I've always had parties. Or, um, you know, and you know, um, we got married on Halloween, so that was a huge celebration. Um, so,
0: f- for the listener, what year did you arrive in Australia?
1: I arrived here in 1984. hmm So, I was um, nearly 18. Um, so, yeah, I've been here a long time. And um, I-, I used to get a bit sad. <laughs> That, that it wasn't celebrated. I missed it terribly, just like I still miss White Christmas. I, yeah. I do. I, I, feel, I find it really weird to barbecue here at Christmas. Um, but as I said, we would have parties, you know, and as the years have gone on, even you know, we began, um, you know, playing, gigging mm-hmm. at Halloween, whereas we used to always have Halloween off and used to always have Halloween parties to celebrate our wedding, so... You know, um, but as time has moved on, we're usually gigging now. So it's changed, even in the time that you and I have been together for 17 years.
0: When you explained to me uh, that you would like to get married on Halloween, <laughs> I did have a a funny feeling that once you explained it and we went through it, that our ancestors were watching us.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because you and I had had a lot of loss as well within both our families. Mm. Um, none of my family, you know, most of my mother's, well, my mother's sisters and brothers and my grandparents on both sides and my dad's brother had all passed. So I really had no relatives at our, at our wedding except my mom. And, um, you know, so, mm. um, so it was also a way for me to kind of have them there. Mm. you know and um yeah and also i never wanted you to forget our anniversary
0: no (laughs) you said halloween and i said a church and you hoped it wouldn't burn down is that right (laughs) (laughs) and i remember the uh the minister said he would wear a a, a gothic robe for the ceremony which he did yeah he let uh, us choose it
1: remember to match the um wonderful
0: church in waverley wasn't it
1: yeah it was it was and and he was so great i mean he said um you know he didn't mind what we did as long as he stuck to his side of the... Bar, you know, as long as he stayed within the God yep. side of things. And when you first said it, I was a bit, oh, you know, but I couldn't have imagined it now being anywhere else. He was so great. And, I mean, even when one of your friends came as the devil to the wedding, he was pretty cool.
0: Do you want to tell us, the <laughs> listeners, a little <laughs> bit about that story? Because I, I was waiting for <laughs> Jill in the church and uh, and then the... The, 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 um, the minister came up to me and, and said, uh, uh, Elliot, I think you'd better check out the guy behind you. And I looked behind me and about four or five pews back sitting in the middle was <laughs> the devil. Anyway, Jill, I'll let you share the rest of the story.
1: Uh, um, well, I'd first seen him when I arrived in the car standing outside the church having a cigarette. And we actually have a photo of that. He's standing in the archway Smoking a cigarette in black and white—it's quite a, a cool photo. And um, I just remember your mom saying to me, "Who would come like that?" And and she thought it was one of my friends. <laughs> and um, and so when we got in the church, um, the minister kind of spoke to Elliot on the quiet, and um, I I could see because I was at the back, waiting to walk down the aisle. Um, and, and uh, I could see the chatter happening and then I saw the minister approach the devil it actually happened to be one of Elliot's friends who could come mate from, Russell Mel- from Melbourne Melbourne and um, <laughs> and from what Russell told us he said um, he was very English our minister and he said um, you know I I don't mind everyone being dressed up but he said I would ask you to remove your mask because we don't have enough insurance in case the Good Lord should strike you down. <laughs> okay. And no. it's always stuck with us. Now it? our mate
0: Russell is from <laughs> Melbourne. We're feeling really feeling for a lot of people, our friends and family in Absolutely. Melbourne at the moment. Uh, the, next the next song thing. is by two Melbourne artists. Nick and Kylie. Yes. Do you want to tell us a bit about this one, Julie? I love
1: this song. Well, you and I also do a cover of this song. But um, always loved this song. Uh, I mean, I'm a big Nick Cave fan anyway. So when, um, you know, and, 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 and I like Kylie. I, I think she's really good at what she does. But when I first heard this, it just blew me out of the water. So they actually did a few um, a few songs together on the murder ballads as well as, of course, one of my favourites, PJ, Har- PJ Harvey and uh, Shane McGowan so uh, it's a great album the murder ballads and this is where the wild roses grow
3: hand, he wiped out the tears that ran down my.
6: Than any woman I've seen I said, do you know Where the wild roses grow So sweet and scarlet and free done.
0: Roses Grow, 2011, goodness, that was the remaster. Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds and Kylie. Okay, we're back. Hi. Hey, and what, what I'd like to um, ask you, Jilly, is Day of the Dead and All Souls, All Saints. We've had a, a, a call, up a pop-in, <laughs> and... Um,
1: we have. So, so yes, Dia de los Motos, which is Day of the Dead is also celebrated on November the 2nd, um, but that is a Latin American festival. Um, Again, because the Roman Catholics kind of brought in all souls and all saints, um, it's probably very similar because you've also got a lot of catholics (laughs) within you know latin america and everything but they've they've embraced that and and theirs is a very um very colorful festival whereas all souls and all saints is 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 a darker kind of similar to the celt celtic um festival but of course um day of the dead if, if you ever get a chance to go it's it's pretty amazing um their costumes are, are so bright and so colourful, and I'm sure many people have seen them now in Australia. I mean, I even paint those kind of pots, but, um, you know, they use every single colour of the rainbow, and um, the masks are... They're what's called sugar skulls, so they're actually quite pretty, but... Some of them are quite gruesome at the same time, which is, is pretty cool. So lots of roses and flowers and, um, you know. And and also, I've, I've got to say, we were talking about our wedding before and, and thinking about flowers and many couples who... who um, Many of, of the pictures um, of, of Day of the Dead festivals are of a man and a woman dancing or embracing each other. Um, there's lots of music around it, but there's always... A romance around it, and that was another reason why, um, you know, I chose Halloween because there was a romance around Halloween as well during Celtic times, where um, a lot of um, a lot of um, futures were read, not just about how they were going to get through the winter, but also about. Um, ...who a maiden's sweetheart or husband may be. So they used to do a lot of, um, a lot of magic around trying to, um, to foresee... ...if a maiden was going to get married... ...or if she was going to find her sweetheart. And they would use, um, again, apples... ...which we're going to talk about in a minute... ...to, um, to do apple magic. So
0: well, let's head in there now. So apple <laughs> peels... Apples, bobbing for apples. Mm. Part of Halloween? Bobbing for apples. Okay, so
1: so bobbing for apples is I'll explain how you do it first. Because we used to do this as a kid and, and I always found it a bit of a pain because you'd have this really cool makeup on and then you're gonna stick your head in water, you know? So but what you do is you put your hand behind your back and then you've got a bucket. Of of apples floating in the, in the bucket, and um, and you have to go down, in put your head into the water, and then try and grab one with your teeth,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and pull it up, and then whoever can do that wins the game, um, and it, it's quite difficult <laughs> to do, so um, but yeah, so so but the the, um, the Romans. Um, it was a time when they would embrace the goddess Pomona and she was actually the goddess of fruit. But you also read, Elliot, about the apple... I didn't know about the apples and the magic of using apples for magic as well during the Celtic times. So what did you find out about that?
0: Uh, I, I read an interesting article that was uh, referring... alluding to the fact that apples were... Uh, Utilised. they would peel it that the lady who um, dunked and and got the apple would then peel uh, the skin off the apple mm-hmm. to the best of her ability in one strip, if possible, and then would throw it behind her and on the floor it would spell out the first letter of the future husband's name. Like if it was an E or an A or an I, etc. on how the actual apple core lay. Um, some interesting things about this.
1: Oh, right, okay, because during the annual Roman celebrations, young unmarried uh, girls would try to bite into an apple floating in the water or hanging from a string on a line. Um, and the first person to bite into the apple would be the next one to be allowed to marry. Yeah, right so it it's obviously there's been lots of lots of different things done over the years throughout centuries and you know and and that's obviously why we why the apple is such a big part of and probably too because the celts used to carve apples as well into little faces and leave them out because they had apples and potatoes but not designer pumpkins, I mm-hmm.
0: think. <laughs> I was just talking with Dr. Rob Curtis last week, actually, about the apples, and he was distressed that they're making machines to put more stickers on them. You know, and it's sort of oh like... yeah, I heard,
1: I heard about that, and and I feel the same. Whenever I give Jesse an apple to take to school, I think. Why does there have to be? And they're really hard to get off, those little stickers. They're really yeah. hard to
0: get off. <laughs> well, Halloween's also a time for the little ones. Yeah. So, um, one of uh, our favourite songs that we like to play is this following tune by Robert Smith and The Cure called Lullaby. That was The Cure with Lullaby. So good. <laughs> now, there was a poem. When we used to have our friends, uh, Matt and Michelle, up from the snowy Manaru region, yeah. they used to come up and stay with us for a week at a time. and A weekend, yeah. <laughs> this particular time, we lost the lights in Lawson where we live and it was for about three, four hours on a Saturday night. We didn't know how long it was going to be. So, we lit a candle and pulled out an old Edgar Allan Poe oh, book geez. and read stories from um, short stories from from Mister Poe. And it was very, very. Uh, and I, th- I think it's fitting on Halloween to share maybe one of his poems.
1: I think so too. It's an oldie but a goodie. The Raven.
5: It was in the bleak December, and each separate dying ember wrought its ghost upon the floor. Eagerly I wished the morrow, vainly I had sought to borrow from my book's surcease of sorrow. Sorrow for the lost Lenore, for the rare and radiant maiden, whom the angels name Lenore, nameless here forevermore. Presently my soul grew stronger, hesitating then no longer. Sir, said I, or madam, truly your forgiveness I implore, but the fact is I was napping, and so gently you came rapping, and so faintly you came tapping, tapping at my chamber door, that I scarce for sure I heard you. Here I opened wide the door. Darkness there, and nothing more. Deep into that darkness peering, long I stood there wondering, fearing... Doubting, dreaming dreams No mortal ever dared to dream before But the silence was unbroken And the stillness gave no token And the only word there spoken Was the whispered word Lenore This I whispered And an echo murmured back the word Lenore Merely this and nothing more back into the chamber, turning all my soul within me burning. Soon again I heard a tapping, something louder than before. Surely, said I, surely that is something of my window lattice. Let me see then what thereat is, and this mystery explore. Let my heart be still a moment of this mystery explore. Tis the wind and nothing more. Open here I flung the shutter when... With many a flirt and flutter, in there stepped a stately raven of the saintly days of yore. Not the least obeisance made he, not a minute stopped or stayed he, but with mien of lord or lady, perched above my chamber door, perched upon the bust of palace dust above my chamber door, perched, and sat, and nothing more. Then this ebony bird, beguiling my sad fancy into smiling by the grave and stern decorum of the countenance it wore, Though thy crest be shorn and shaven, thou, I said, art sure no craven. A ghastly, grim, and ancient raven, wandering from the nightly shore, tell me what thy lordly name is on the night's plutonian shore. Quoth the raven, nevermore. Much I marveled this ungainly fowl to hear discourse so plainly, though its answer little meaning, little relevancy bore. For we cannot help agreeing that no living human being ever yet was blessed with seeing bird above his chamber door, bird or beast, upon the sculpted bust above his chamber door, with such name as Nevermore. But the raven, sitting lonely on that placid bust, spoke only that one word, as if his soul in that one word he did outpour. Nothing further than he uttered, Another feather, then, he fluttered, till I scarcely more than muttered, Other friends have flown before. On the morrow he will leave me, as my hopes have flown before. Then the bird said, Nevermore. Startled at the stillness broken by reply so aptly spoken, doubtless said I, What it utters is its only stock and store. Caught from some unhappy master whose unmerciful disaster followed fast and followed faster till his songs one burden bore till the dirges of his hopes that melancholy burden bore of never never more but the raven still beguiling all my sad soul into smiling straight I wheeled a cushioned seat in front of bird and bust and door then upon the velvet sinking I betook myself with my head at ease, reclining on the cushion's velvet lining that the lamplight gloated o'er, but whose velvet violet lining with the lamplight gloating o'er she shall press. Ah, nevermore. Then methought the air grew denser, perfumed from an unseen censer, swung by seraphim, whose footfalls tinkled on the tufted floor wretch i cried thy god hath lent thee by these angels he hath sent thee respite respite and nepenthe from my memories of lenore quaff oh quaff this kind nepenthe and forget this lost lenore Quoth the raven nevermore prophet said i thing of evil prophet still if bird or devil whether tempter sent or whether tempest tossed thee here ashore desolate yet all undaunted on this desert land enchanted on this home by horror haunted tell me truly i implore is there is there balm in gilead tell me tell me i implore quoth the raven nevermore prophet said i thing of evil Prophets, till if bird or devil by that heaven that bends above us by that god we both adore tell this soul with sorrow laden if Within the distant Aden, it shall clasp a sainted maiden whom the angels name Lenore, a clasp a rare and radiant maiden whom the angels name Lenore, quoth the raven. Nevermore, be that word our sign of parting bird or fiend, I shrieked upstarting, get thee back into the tempest of the night's plutonian shore, leave no black plume as a token of that lie thy soul hath spoken, leave my loneliness unbroken, quit the bust above my door, take thy beak from out my heart, and take thy form from off my door, quoth the raven, nevermore. And the raven, never flitting, still is sitting, still is sitting on the pallid bust of Pallas just above my chamber door. And his eyes of all the seeming of a demon's that is dreaming, and the lamplight o'er him streaming, throws his shadow on the floor, and my soul, from out that shadow that lies floating on the floor, shall be lifted. Nevermore.
1: And that was Basil Rathbone with The Raven. I I thought that was pretty cool. I like the way he reads it. Those British actors do it so well. Um, Being that we just spoke of um, The Day of the Dead, which of course is the Mexican or South American festival, um, I thought I'd play a little piece uh, that I particularly like by a man named Robert Rodriguez. And uh, this was used in a Quentin Tarantino film, as I was talking about those fabulous guitars that they use so often in, in horror um, themes. And uh, so it's called Grindhouse. And here we go. Too good.
0: Tarot time The Five of Cups Next week we'll be Discussing something that will Intrigue many of of you As it does me Is uh, for Scorpio The corresponding tarot card is the death card We'll be doing that one next week Next week we'll also be discovering And discussing Who was Hermes Trismegistus And we'll be doing An introduction to Hermeticism the Five of Cups The Card of the Five of Cups portrays in the Mythic Tarot by Juliet Sharman Burke and Liz Green with cards illustrated by Giovanni Caselli. The, five, the card of Five of Cups portrays the aftermath of Psyche's or Psyche's betrayal of Eros. Her sisters have stirred her fears to such an extent that she has broken her promise to her husband and lit a lamp to see his sleeping face. Here we see Psyche, standing destroyed before the empty nuptial couch. The lamp in one hand, the departing figure of Eros can be glimpsed disappearing behind the marble columns in their beautiful palace. In the foreground, four cups lie overturned, their contents spilled over the floor. A fifth cup remains standing, still intact, beside them. The Five of Cups represents that testing time in a relationship when one experiences regret over past actions. This card poses the difficult problem of betrayal, which as part of the suit of cups is presented as a necessary and potentially creative experience. Although it is painful, betrayal breaks the magical blind cocoon of being in love and totally merged with another. For to betray can sometimes mean being oneself. Sykes betrayal is not done out of thoughtlessness or greed. It springs from her urge to know her partner and the God is in some ways wrong to deny her this knowledge. Thus, it is an honest act provoking inevitable conflict which nevertheless is necessary. As any other action would constitute a self-betrayal. Betrayal of another's unreasonable demand or expectation is a difficult but frequent aspect of the deepening of relationship. The lover, husband or wife who says, do not seek to really know me, but remain in love with the image I want you to have, will invoke betrayal and the betrayer, like psych, must often suffer the consequences. But the presence of one intact cup in the image tells us that all is not lost. Something remains to build upon. Psyche now knows who her husband is and she knows that she loves him, not her fantasy of him. Without this rite of passage, she would have been stuck in the anxiety and resentment of the Four of Cups. Now she suffers regret, but there is something remaining to work with. On a divinatory level, the Five of Cups implies regret over past actions. Something has gone wrong, a betrayal has occurred, and there is sadness and remorse. Separation in a relationship can occur, but this card does not augur a final ending. Something remains which can be worked on, and it is up to the individual to take up the challenge and make the commitment to the future. Okay, welcome back to The Third Eye. You're with Elliot and Gillian Reynolds. Thanks for joining us tonight. And we're coming back to the fantastic topic of Trick or Treat. Gillie.
1: Trick or Treat. Um, Well, I guess, um, as mentioned before, uh, you know, um, of course, kids... Go from house to house and and uh, and get lollies or um, in the states of Canada candy um, or treats that are baked, uh, handmade. But um. But um. I, I would have also thought like looking back and reading many stories over the years and um, history, the Celts used to also, uh, to used to look after each other. So. I think a lot of it came from um, from, you know, utilising s- food sources throughout the community. Mm-hmm. So, you know, depending on what crops people grew and uh, what, what they had in abundance, they would share so that people would stock up and get ready for the long winter coming um, to make sure that they could feed their families. Because as I said, it, it would have been a terrifying time um, <laughs> in those days, being so dark, not having electricity, not Having any, and, and just though it ha- hasn't got to do with trick-or-treat, I have to say too, um, after doing some study, I didn't realize either that before their festival of Samhain, before the Samhain festival, they used to actually put out their fires within their dwellings before they attended the festival. And then they would take a stick and actually take fire from the bonfire that they'd lit at the festival and relight their own fire, their own hearth, um, because they believed that um, there was some magic within the bonfire and it would keep them warm for the winter. So I found that really interesting that um, there was a magic about that. But but again, trick-or-treating, I think, would have originated with just sharing what you had With your neighbors and the people that you love, to make sure that you try and get through, because um, so so that's just carried on. And every festival, whether we celebrate Beltane or Samhain, or all is about food. It's always about food, food, comfort, love. Those things go together, you know. Um, So, but the other thing I found out was that in the states. Halloween started with festivals, much like Samhain. But because of the tr- uh, tricks, um, some of the festivals became, you know, the tricks became violent. Um, people found people to be scary because you're wearing costumes and, you know, people were quite frightened. So they actually tamed that down in many ways, you know, and... Um, all of a sudden in the 50s and things they didn't want anything too ghoulish or too spooky or and, um, and by decorating houses and having people go from house to house um, also meant that it was a cheaper way for a community to have to celebrate because they weren't having to put on these great big, you know, festivals and everybody coming, and um, you know, and and of course, if times changed, it gets harder to close roads or wherever you're going to have these things. So it became a cheaper way of actually having a community celebrate. It was f- to go to from house to house and people look after their own, their own place, you know, their own um, handouts of whatever they're going to hand out and what have you. So, so yeah, so. Um, That's kind of the history of trick-or-treating, really. And, uh, you know,
0: it's it's all interesting. And do you find it's different here than in America?
1: Oh, very much so. Uh, I mean, the main difference is that (laughs) uh, because we're in Daylight Savings, um, it's not dark. So you go out and it's still light. And, of course, you know, you you have your pumpkin lit and everything and you don't really see it until later. So, and it usually falls on a school night. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's only every seven years that it's going to fall on a, well, six, seven years that it's going to fall on a Friday or a Saturday. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so um, it, it's usually a school night. So the kids can't really, um, I don't know, they I don't think they experience it as, as well because they can't see all the lights. Or, for instance, how you and I um, do those ghosts going across the top of our windows with the the projector. The projector. Yeah. So you don't really see that until until it becomes dark. Yeah. So um, it's, it's not as spooky, I guess. You know, when I was a kid, it was it was quite spooky yeah, to, yeah. to be able to run around the neighbourhood in the dark because, you know, going out in the dark is a big thing when you're a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, you're usually in bed by a certain time and, you know... And in so, nor- uh,
0: northern Europe, say, north of... Um, or, or even France... It is as you said, like sometimes from three o'clock in the afternoon, it's starting to get dark, you yeah. know. And so, yeah, it would have been pretty. It'd be pretty special, I'd say. Yeah. That, that difference over there, and, and I do feel that the um, the resistance with many Australians now who didn't like it, um, just thought it was a uh, 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 in, incorrectly. They thought it was a an American construct. Is um, it's it's nice to see so many young people and adults enjoying. The festival here in Australia now, um, although it's a bit of a commercial thing, uh, I think it also, for those uh, who do ponder the origins of these things, it does give us a, a moment to reflect upon our ancestors.
1: It does, it does, and I, I, I and I think that's really important. As I said, like going back to your roots, because um, well, so many cultures and tri- tribal. You know, um, mm. uh, is about paying respect and homage to to the people, to your ancestors. Yeah. And we really have kind of lost touch with that, I think. So, you know, um, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's funny. Even before I go on stage, or when I get nervous, or you know, I kind of always ask my aunts for for some sort of guidance mm. because. For me, they were the strongest influences in my life, you know, yeah. and I'm um, my nan, and you know, so um, that's kind of where I go to to um, bring myself, like, ground myself, and yeah. and feel, you know, and get ready, you know, um, for things because, uh, yeah, it's just I always have since I was a kid, you know, before I really learned about religion and. And uh, which way I was going to go. I mean, my mother grew up in a in a Protestant and Catholic family. So, uh-huh. um, you know, her her father was of Catholic faith, faith, and her mother was Protestant. So they could never agree. And then when my granddad passed away, who who sadly I never met. Um, my nan turned Catholic. Uh-huh. Um, my father's father was an atheist, but his mother was Catholic. Uh-huh. And she kind of, um, when she lost her five-year-old daughter during World War II in England, um, she died of flu probably from all the time that they spent sleeping (laughs) um, on train tracks, um, you know, to hide from the bombs. Um, So she lost her daughter, and she kind of went against her faith. Um, She lost herself. And so I never really grew up. So, you know, even as a little kid... I used to kind of ask for guidance from, mm. from my own ancestors. So,
0: so uh, A funny thing you may be able to shed some light on was uh, some years ago I, w- I was showing some pictures of one of my ancestors' houses down at Eden mm-hmm. in the, on, on the Sapphire Coast in southern New South Wales and one of them had pictures all around their house of graves. Mm -hmm. There was no pictures of living people, it was just photographs of graves and it was, you know, a good 50, 60 pictures. And apparently that house burnt down in the 1950s. But it was uh, some uh, acknowledgement of ancestor or some manifestation of ancestor worship or just that they're not gone, that they've just changed state and they're still with us. Mm -hmm. And and, and I think, uh, well you know, for the, there are many atheists around and, and it's quite a secular society, but I don't think anybody, even science, can't prove yes or no to the spirit. And so it, it's still a, an interesting thing and I like to go with that vibe. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I like to go with that vibe. I like to think, I don't know, I like to think they still know what I'm doing, that they're still somehow proud of you know, what I've achieved, Um, you know, that they, I mean, you know, it could just go back to maybe they're just always a part of us and always a part of our heart, I I don't know. Um, I don't don't know if they come to look over me or, but it's a nice way of thinking, you know. Um, And, yeah, so, and even just going to visit your grandparents' grave a couple of weeks ago. Was such a um, it was such a peaceful and wonderful experience, and to take our daughter there, and know some of your history and and clean it up and put some flowers there, and you know, just I've always I've always been attracted to graveyards. My father would always take me as a kid um, to the old graveyards of England and and what have you, and you know, you wonder about what's happened and where they are and how they died. And, you know, it's, it's just, um, it's nice to be respectful, I think. You know, why should we forget? Hmm. You know, um, so many people do. And, and I think that's kind of um, sad, you know, to forget where you came from or not pay respect.
0: How do you see yourself in your journey of faith in life?
1: Mm, I didn't expect that question.
0: Do you you have hope?
1: Yes. I I think you'd be lost if you didn't have hope. I mean, this year has been really tough and it's been a bit hard to have hope. (laughs) Um, I just always believe in keeping my side of the street clean. I believe in being good to people um, and and hope that they'll be good to me. Mm. You know, I think what you put out is what you get back. So um, that's really what I have faith in is is trying to always do the right thing. And not just by other people, but by myself. Hmm. You know, being true to myself. Um, Yeah. Um, That's probably my faith. Um, Being good to my family. Um, Loving the people that I'm surrounded by and and pure acceptance, really, of, of others. And,
0: and keeping an open mind, pos- to the, especially with this Halloween, to the possibility that there may actually be something more than we can see, touch, taste. Absolutely.
1: Here. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And also just never taking any day for granted, you know, or people for granted. Mm-hmm. Tell somebody you love them, um, you know, and... Uh, because you just never know when tomorrow might not come so you got to live for the day make the day special
0: let's play a song okay the um hmm? the next one is one from your list i'm going to surprise you with <laughs> is the vampire song i don't know by concrete blonde oh also known as bloodletting blood blood mm-hmm. Can I you tell us about song. this song oh
1: i remember first buying this album i mean the first song i heard off this album was of course joey because it was so huge and um but this became my favorite track on on the album it's just fantastic i love the way she sings it i love the spookiness of it i love the story of it you Mm -hmm. know um that these ghouly things do exist so cool song
0: thanks Well, here is bloodletting.
7: There's something real in the shadow
0: It was concrete blonde with bloodletting. So good.
2: Mm-mm.
0: Okay, Jilly, costuming mm-hmm. for Halloween.
1: Oh, well, um, of course, like during the Celtic times they would wear, um, I think a lot of it would have been because of, of the chill as well. People would have been bundled up in skins and and things to keep them warm. But they definitely wore um, masks made of, of animal heads uh to to ward off evil spirits because and people would actually wear them when they left their dwellings so that um in in hope that the ghosts who may have had a grudge or wanted to come back wouldn't recognize them so uh costuming has always been part of festivals and as we discussed with like day of the dead and their vibrant costumes but um the celtics uh, you know even just their normal dress to us would have been <laughs> um, costuming as such with capes and long, um, long tunics and what have you. So, um, but the strange thing was when, when All Saints and All Souls came, uh, the costumes changed and for their festivals and you were to dress as like angels, devils or saints. So, um, so because of the Roman Catholic, you know, and the Christian thing, it was either uh, angels, devils or saints. But things have changed so much. I mean, now there's just superheroes and there's, you know, witches and there's the traditional ones and then there's, you know, crazy ones. Like, I mean, you know, well, I won't say it. I've even seen somebody come as like a tampon to a to a house party so you know people people can do whatever they want now the times have changed and people can be as imaginative as they wish you know Mm -hmm. um but but it's still great to see what they come up with so people are still
0: going for shock value yeah
1: yeah shock (laughs) value is definitely a definite thing for sure you know um and that that makes it all fun i mean it's not just about scariness now it's it's about you know enjoyment I guess and making people have a laugh Uh you know which is a wonderful thing so but I love to see the kids come to the door and see what they're wearing and it's 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 fabulous I love to plan things with Jessie you know I've seen her dress up in some amazing costumes over the years and saying hey mum what have you got have you got this or have you got that and of course you know years and years ago part-time on weekends when I was saving to buy a house um I had a wonderful weekend job working in a costume shop. So, you know, so they throw out things and I'd take them out of the bin and fix them up. And, you know, so um, I've always enjoyed costuming myself. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of people do, even like festivals like Iron Fest and Winter Magic and those festivals up here. people People's costumes are amazing, so...
0: And when you go on stage with Sideshow (laughs) Annie, you wear costumes.
1: Sometimes, uh, depending on on where we're playing, you know that. It's quite Um, the
0: undertaker look, isn't it? Oh, sometimes, yeah.
1: (laughs) Sometimes I'm a little dark. Um, It's it's just the fun of it, you know. It's putting on that persona and just being outrageous sometimes. And especially for, like, Winter Magic, the Halloween Festival at Lithgow. Uh, iron fest as i've said um you know the goldburn festival you know it's always fun to to be in the spirit if we we're playing absolutely for sure and uh, and it's part of what we're hired to do and and i love it you know it's it's great to to get dressed up and, so and, and be a bit outrageous. The band's
0: got a new album dropping. We do on the thirty first or on the Halloween. On
1: Halloween, yeah. And
0: and what's the name of the album?
1: Or or as some people would say, Beltane, <laughs> 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 depending where you are. Um, and I'm not going to get into that argument. That can be for um, another what's show. What's the album called? The album is called Ritual, and it was actually um, it's a live album of you of you and I and the band. Uh, and um, yeah, so it's exciting. And we did it all live in a church. Mm-hmm. And um, Leah did the amazing artwork, which is a big blue snake.
0: And yep. And Lee Doyle did the some videoing. Lee
1: Doyle did the videoing. And, and you know, um, we had some amazing players, including Andy and
0: Hayden Scott. Hayden Scott. And, and, and uh, <laughs> yep, Andy Bissetil. Yeah.
1: So, yep. you know, as well as, of course, Wayne and James and, and Matt. So, um, and Dave. You, Dave was also few guest appearances. There. Dave's now our new bass player. So everybody was involved.
0: Peter joined us. Uh, on violin for that album, which I is, uh, and I believe, if, on Annalise and Psycho Killer.
1: It was just a wonderful experience and and we hope everybody loves it. As I said, it was all live. It was like 13 tracks back to back, bang, bang, bang. We all had to stay in one spot while they filmed around us and uh, so there's some YouTube clips as well.
0: But so Rich that'll be on out. YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, The Usual Suspects. Yep. Fantastic. Alrighty, so let's um, head to something that float floated um, our daughter's boat. It was a little uh, piece called Stranger Thing.
1: Well, it was a TV show, yeah, but we like the theme song, so it goes like this.
0: So the day we got married.
1: I walked down the church to Bolero
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, uh, and we walked out to What a Wonderful World. But of course, getting married on Halloween, we walked into our reception to uh, one of my favorite theme songs and Elliot's as well, which was, of course, the Adams family theme. And uh, everybody had a laugh. And I've got to say, my matron of honor made it even more special by buying a mechanical hand. <laughs> so we actually had a little thing following along behind me. So this is what we walked into our reception to 17 years ago. It goes like this. <coughs>
8: to see em. they really are a spree,
7: the Adams
8: family.
0: That was the Adams Family and I'd like to thank Gillian for coming in on the Third Eye tonight. Thank you. And sharing all you know while giving (laughs) us an an introduction to Halloween. Mm -hmm. And um, so we're going to um, leave you now and thanks so much for joining us tonight. We're going to um, leave you with a little piece that is uh, our theme song which hopefully is in the mood of Halloween.
1: Can I also say you wrote it and it's pretty cool.
0: (laughs) Oh, thanks, (laughs) Jilly.
1: See you, everyone. Have a wonderful week.
0: This is The Third Eye. This is Elliot and Jillian. Next week, Hermeticism.
1: And have a wonderful Halloween.